Your host, as always, today, uh, Tom's not going to be with us. He's taking a much-needed and deserved vacation, so I'm going to be flying solo. Forgive me if I bumble and bungle my way through this, um, but we are going to have a great guest. Chris Litza from the Hockey Writers and GetRealHockey.com is joining the show again. He's done a few shows with us, and always a great guest, always a good time. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and bring in Chris, and we hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to welcome in Chris Lietza to the show once again, good friend of the show. He uh, writes a blog for GetRealHockey.com on the NHL, and at the Hockey Writers, he's one of their lead bloggers for the New York Islanders, and touched on a few other things from from New York, New York State hockey. Uh, welcome back, Chris. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, it's good to be back, Mark. Uh, it's the summertime, but uh, it's uh, hockey's become a 12-month sport, so a lot's still going on. Well, yeah, since the, la- since the last time we talked, there's been there's been quite a lot more player movement. There's been uh, NHL expansion is now officially on the table, although I, I kind of already knew it was coming. I, I'm sure you did, and the rest of the hockey world did too. Um, but now let's jump right into that. We do have the official... The official tally, if you will, of the teams that have formally applied for expansion. Uh, Quebec City and, of course, Las Vegas. Um, what do you see What do you see as being some pros and cons? You're a lot closer to the Quebec City, obviously, than I hear, am here in Las Vegas. Um, is there, are there any pros and cons to bringing Quebec City back into the league that your East Coast perspective might, uh, might have some more insight than I do? Well, when Quebec originally lost their team, you know, going back to that time frame, it was not too distant. Or was, I think they lost the members of Strickland before Winnipeg, and there was the whole Canadian dollar thing. I know Quebec City is not the biggest city in the world, uh, but uh, it's it's really diehard hockey fans. Uh, that building was always sold out. It was, you know, so the, the fan interest there. I mean, I, in fact, can tell you, uh, over the last few years, last four or five years, when there were some touchy moments with the Islanders in terms of would this all work out, there was a, uh, at certain games, uh, this especially got a little bit more highly telecasted, there were buses of fans coming back down from Quebec City to the Nassau Coliseum to make a statement like, we deserve a team, and they were in the stands and with banners or jerseys and, and, and the like. So, uh, they have a brand-new state-of-the-art arena, which I think is about a year old, a little under a year old. So the building is built. Uh, I think it holds 18,500. I mean, uh, I look at Quebec as they are ready to rock and roll today. Um, Vegas is, is getting there as well, as you well know. So I look at those two who submitted the bids, that they are off and running and they can't wait for the 2017-18 season. So um, I think they, you know, you know, Quebec is not the size of Las Vegas uh, in terms of the market and the population, but it will definitely work. The only downside uh, is, you know, as you know, the NHL really needs to have two teams in the West because they have 16 teams currently in the East and 14 in the West. Obviously, Vegas would be in the West in conference. And Quebec would obviously have to be in the Eastern Conference. So the only downside uh, to those two teams is Quebec will be there would have to be a different East Eastern Conference team move to the West. And for whatever reason, and I guess it's NHL politics, one would think, looking at the map of the Eastern Conference teams, and considering they were a Western Conference team for forever, it would be the Red Wings that were would be moved. But supposedly that is not on the table. And they have a lot of clout that they are not. I mean, I've even read stories that it could be the Hurricanes. As crazy as that sounds, but I guess that's all for another day. Well, to, but, uh, remember, feel, remember, Toronto played in the Western Conference for a long time. So, um, as odd as right. it's as odd as it sounds, uh, Carolina is what I've heard too. But that Detroit, no way. Uh, from what I see in here, 
uh, Detroit would not accept going back to the West. I guess they really like it there in the East uh, competitively as well as logistically. It just works better for them. And I personally don't think it would be fair to just bounce them here, bounce them there, bounce them here. Um, they're going to have to work something out. One thing I will correct you on, Quebec's arena, the Videotron Center, will not be ready until September. Um, that's why they just played oh, okay. They just played the Memorial Cup there, uh, the playoffs at the old the Pepsi Colisee. So the that was the last official uh, oh, okay. the last official event in the old stadium, and then now the Remparts and any other events in town will move. It will be open in September. They're they're about six months ahead of us. Our arena is going to be done in May 2016 and on schedule and looking great. I drive by it every day. Um, but yeah, just everything you said. Oh, about I thought I remember reading. I thought I remember reading that they had events there already and things of that nature. But okay, but they 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 are definitely well in good shape in terms of getting ready for future hockey. So I think it will work. I think it will work wonderful there. It'll be great to see, and I think it'll be great to see Vegas after all these years. Uh, you know, bandied about about uh, not having the sports team. I think it will be. Such a great thing for Las Vegas, and I think the community will really uh, rally around it because it'll be uh, their first professional team. Literally, so the I only game in be, town. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be. I mean, I know you've had you know you've had baseball and from a minor league level, and you've had uh, the Las Vegas Thunder, if I remember uh, correctly, right? Radic Bonk back in the day. Am I, am I getting my names right? Yep, we um, had uh, so, but, Clint Malarchuk was actually our goalie on that team. And then, wow, Buffalo Saber, yeah, absolutely. Ninety-three to ninety-seven uh, was the Thunder, and then every year we have an NHL exhibition game with the Kings, and we had a ECHL team from two thousand three to two thousand fourteen that did you know as good as the at least as good as the middle of the pack attendance wise in the ECHL. Uh, every year they were here. The they're not here anymore because the Orleans Hotel and Casino refused to, to give them a lease. For And, you know, never really came out and said why. They just said, no, we're done. And then they had a deal in place to build an arena somewhere at the Union Plaza, which is a downtown hotel and casino, um, which fell through. And then it was too late to find another place to play, so they suspended operations for a year. And then with all this NHL talk, they decided that, you know what, let's just pull the plug. It's done. Um, so we've, we've had hockey here except for a little three- or four-year period every every season since 1993. Um, and now... Yeah, but like, but like I said, I think, I think the fact that the community will have its first professional sports franchise, I think that will mean a lot. And uh, uh, I think that will really uh, give a big boost to the to the Las Vegas hockey team. I think so, too. I'm, we, I could go through all the numbers of how many season tickets are already sold and blah, 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 but uh, if people have heard my show, they've read my blog, whatever. Every, everybody knows where the season ticket drive is. I think Las Vegas is a slam dunk. And our good friends in Quebec, I think they're, I mean, by default, they if they if the NHL wants to bring in two teams that brings me to the next point there is were you surprised that Seattle at one point rumored to be putting three applications in actually ended up with none did that uh, did that did that tick your radar any well it's hard to say cuz you know there was a lot of conjecture a lot of little stories and stuff i mean obviously you knew that the NHL you know that the NHL wants Seattle as a market uh, in the future um, it looks like it's not going to be the near future, meaning the, the next two years. And I think it might be more down the line of the next four or five years. Uh, I think we're looking at maybe six. Um, and I read an excellent story, if I may quote him, of Chris Peters of CBS Sports the other uh, from last week. And um, I know uh, Mr. Uh, is it, uh, Bar- Barkowski, is, am, I, am I saying his name right, uh, from Connecticut? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, businessman, uh, he met with the NHL recently, the last uh, week or two, and uh, he wants to bring uh, hockey to the Seattle area, but there's a lot of obstacles to overcome uh, still. So it looks like 
you know, I think the NHL is going to, for now, look at Seattle as a bit of a safety net. You know, obviously we have both Arizona, uh, who did have some good news. Uh, granted, more of a short term, but hopefully they can build off it. And it sounds like the league and the team wanted to work. You would know better than me, Mark, being out on the West, but wanted to work in Arizona, so they, they have that new two-year deal, and then we'll just kind of see how all this works out over the next two years with Arizona, and then we've talked on previous podcasts about Florida having, you know, again, trouble with their attendance and uh, having many nights last year, especially during the week of 8,000 and change, and uh, let me just say, when I meet these teams and, and uh, fans of these teams and people in these areas, I, I hope it doesn't come off very flippantly, because being on Long Island, uh, having gone through a period of time where uh, the fan base here uh, had to deal with the fact that they might lose their team, so I'm very uh, much more sympathetic to that uh, than the average bear. So, I, obviously, you would want these teams to work out in their situations, um, and hopefully they will. But I think Seattle will be viewed as a safety net because they still have to do a lot of financial work uh, just to get the money in terms of the arena, and that's even before the, the expansion money. So obviously if it's a team that would move to Seattle, then you wouldn't have to worry about the expansion money, then it's just building the arena and get, you know, but that's, that's no uh, small task either. So... I was a little bit surprised, but maybe maybe Seattle didn't have all their ducks in a row, if you will, at this point in time. Ray Bartizak wanted to bring, he was going to privately fund the arena um, down in Tukwila, which is 10 to 15 miles south of Seattle. And then Chris Hansen, the ownership group who was trying to do the Sodo arena, um, Near near where the Sounders and the Seahawks play, um, his con- his money is contingent on an NBA team uh, being a tenant first, and the city of Seattle proper can release 125 million dollars to help finance the the arena. the The problem Mr. Bartizak had, from what I understand, is he he had the money for the arena and the arena deal with Tuckwilla in place. They were all real excited. But when the the five hundred million dollars for the expansion fee started floating around, um, that's that's where their financing hit the hang up. So if you want to go, if you want to go conspiracy theory, um, the geog we talked about geography on the Quebec City bid, which you know I, Nordiques two I'm on board for sure. Um, have been on record, you know, since the start of this whole thing with. That being said, the geography and the, the, the purpose of expansion at one point was really, you know, balance the conferences, uh, two teams more in the West, and now we're, now we're balanced out. Um, why do you think they only did a two-year deal in Arizona, which aligns them to be out of an arena in 2017-18, if Mr. Bartizek or Mr. Uh, Hanson in Seattle can get an arena built by 2017-18 when Las Vegas and Quebec City put the pieces together uh, the Seattle Coyotes could interplay the same year or one year later and uh, everybody's happy but uh, that's that's conspiracy theory I, I kind of figured all along and I've been you know on Twitter and social media or whatever um, I even have a blog up at VegasHockeyPodcast.com that talks about it. Uh, everyone, there was a report out of the New York Post not too long ago that had the Coyotes moving to Las Vegas, moving somewhere, and and no, that's uh, they're gonna they're gonna stay in in Arizona. Uh, Batman is is stubborn, if anything, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna give that up because it it admits it admits a mistake almost, but. If if that owner finishes his two-year deal and wants to sell, I could imagine that franchise in Seattle by 2018-19 for sure. But let's uh, let's move on. Even after we talked last time, there's been some pretty big player movement in the NHL. Um, right right to the Western Conference, uh, Dallas Stars, Patrick Sharp and Johnny O'Dea bring in some championship pedigree. Patrick Sharp. Uh, 
maybe not the 30 35 goal scorer he once was but certainly certainly leadership certainly skill high-end skill for their top six um johnny oduya is going to be a nice second pair addition uh how, how do you see that going forward in dallas i was hoping me and tom were talking about how the kings make it back into the playoffs next year and one thing you do when you do that is you got to find a team that's ready to slip uh, in and around the 8th, ninth, 7th, 10th spots. And Dallas did just miss the playoffs. And they seem to have gotten better. They they brought in the Emmy, so they've got a nice one-two punching goal. And they bring in some top-end skill for their top six. And what, you know what? if we're comparing them to, to my Kings, and that's what me and Tom were talking about, they got their defensive piece for their top four that the Kings did not. Um, so that's one team, I think, they're probably going to be probably fighting for a fifth, sixth spot in the West next year. But I still haven't found any teams that are going to be getting worse. What do you think about Dallas? Well, real quick on the point of the Kings, comparing the Kings and the Stars, I think the big advantage that the Kings have is I think Vancouver is going to take a big step back this year. And obviously the top three teams in each division make the playoffs. And after Anaheim, I like the Kings' chances as much as Anyone in that division to get to finish in the, the second and third spots, whereas Dallas, being in probably the toughest division in the sport, it's going to be a much tougher hill uh, uh, to climb, if you will, uh, in terms of those automatic spots. So that's a big advantage the Kings will have. Right, that's a good point. Franchises. Um, in terms of the stars. It's funny, we were talking about Patrick Sharp uh, going by a couple podcasts ago, and if you would have said, okay, the team that's going to get Patrick Sharp is the team that finished, you know, second goals, scored la- goals per game last year, but, you know, has defensive problems. So like, what? I mean, how is that possible? But that's, you know, that's what happened. But, I mean, they added to, they added, uh, as I wrote about this last week, they added to a strength. Uh, they added a veteran uh, leader to that team. And also by trading Michael Daly, to the Hawks, uh, Trevor Daly, excuse me, Trevor Daly to the Hawks, uh, it opened up a spot for uh, Johnny Oduya, which they got at a really sound contract, uh, not, you know, on a two-year deal. Absolutely. So I thought I, I thought that was both great moves. I still worry about the Stars in the Western Conference keeping the puck out of their own net. Johnny Oduya will help, uh, but, you know, Nemi, uh, we'll, we'll see, I'm not saying he's a bad goalie, but he's you know, I, I don't think I think it's fair to say I don't think he's an elite goalie. Um, they obviously they, their team defense last year uh, had a lot of work work has to be done. Uh, Johnny Oduya alone is not going to solve that. So I think they're going to be a very interesting team, a very exciting team. Um, but I still worry about them in terms of keeping the puck out of their own net. And they're like I said, they're in a brutal division. I mean that is just a brutal division. If you yeah. go top to bottom, <laughs> those seven, those seven teams. I'm um, looking at it right now. Uh, Avalanche I mean, was a playoff yeah. team two years ago. Winnipeg's only getting better. Uh, obviously, Chicago's lost a few pieces and still needs to lose a few more. By the way, they're not they're not quite under the cap yet. But Nashville no, still Nashville's still going to be Nashville, and and St. Louis locked up Tarasenko. They did have to let TJ Sochi go, but. 109 points last year for St. Louis actually winning the division. Um, and Minnesota. It, yeah, and been, who did sign Dubnik, which I don't know if he's I don't know if anybody could play as well as as he did 27 and and 9 I think since they got him at the trade deadline last year. He's probably going to come back to earth, but you know, Minnesota's packed too. Uh finished with 92 points. No, yeah, no, no. So I'm sorry. 100 points. Numbers. Right. So Dallas is going to have a much tougher schedule than, you know, any of the teams of the other divisions. I mean, that division is just brutal. You know? Yeah, no, um, no kidding. And like you said, from the Hawks standpoint, they they have their top players still. Um, they're still, I believe, I read an article on NHL.com, and it was citing that they're, I think, about a little under a half million dollars over the cap, and they still have to sign uh, Kruger, and they still have to sign... Uh, Nordstrom. So uh, Brian Bickle might be moved. I think there's one, at least one more move 
cap-wise. It's going to have to be done. Although that's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, all these teams already are kind of bubbling at the cap, as we'll get into more in this podcast. But um, So they still have a little more work to do. They they like Daly. They think he, you know, I, ironically, Daly scored as many goals as Patrick Sharp last year. Uh, they think he can, so he could be a weapon for them on a, on the blue line, and they think he can fit in well with them. And they got another uh, solid uh, depth forward in that deal as well. So, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was a, it was definitely an interesting trade. I thought Sharp at the end of the day, given the whole cap problems, would be traded for prospects and picks, and uh, turn it out uh, he was traded. They was traded for uh, NHL players now, but they did get some cap relief because. Uh, the stars are picking up a little bit of that contract, so I think they saved about 1.7 million in cap space from that deal. So it shows you it shows you how bad the cap situation is when we're counting every dollar uh, for some of these teams. Yep, and then and then Anaheim goes out and throws Kessler six year, 41 million dollar deal at 6.8 million per for a second line center. I I mean I guess that's the going rate in today's NHL. But uh, the the thing, and I was listening to uh, another hockey podcast, and they made a great point. Kessler still had two years left on his deal, so they they were in, you know, they didn't have to do that deal this off season. I don't know. I believe he only has. I believe Mark only has one year left. He's part of that really good UFA class next year. So he well, is that the correct? First one. Yeah, he's the first one of the group because we talked about this on the last podcast. The Kopitar and Stamkos and. Uh, Kessler so was saying, okay, who's going to sign this summer and be off that list? And Kessler was in that next wave, if you will, with Kyle Oposo, and the names are escaping me now in terms of the forward. But um, So he was the first one to sign, and I wrote about this saying, I think everyone uh, of all players, shape and sizes, both forwards and defensemen, uh, them and their agents were doing high fives. And, and again, I like Ryan Kessler. I think he's, uh, if you will, it's, uh, you know, the cliche uh, quote, but he, he's a heart and soul player. Uh, he brings a, he's a winning player. He brings a lot of intangibles. Uh, I, you know, I think the Ducks are smart to resign him. Having said that, he is going to be 31 at the very end of August. He still has one more year to go. So the time the six-year extension kicks in, he'll be 32. Um, a 6.8 number, uh, salary cap number is a good number. And he brings offense. You know, he, he, he's the 20 to 25 goal scorer, 50 point player, if you will. But I tell you, that the, the, I have no doubt the first, the half length. Of that contract, yeah, it will be, he'll be good for the Ducks. But that second half of that contract, um, I was a little, I, I was a little, little rich. And it has led, it is, you know, that contract, has seeped into some of these other players' negotiations and arbitrations and, and things like that. So uh, we talked about it. The player salaries keep going on up and up and up. Yep. And the cap is crawling. So, uh, you know, the math is the bubble is going to burst on the math. So, <laughs> uh, again, we'll, we'll see that how that plays out. But, again, if, if Ryan Kessler is 6.8 and you're the L.A. Kings, not, you know, we, we'll use our teams, the L.A. Kings, and you want to sign Kopitar this summer? He says, "Oh, whoa, wait a minute! Ryan Kessel almost got. I'm, I'm twice the player he is. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm five years younger. Uh, I have so much yeah. less wear and tear. He's getting, you know, seven million, almost seven million a year. You know, I got to get almost ten. You know, uh, and New York Islanders trying to sign Kyle Oposo. He's he's going to say something similar. You know, not that he's going to get ten million, but he's going to be like, hey, look, I want seven million a year." And, and you want to pay me $6 million, look what Ryan Kessler got. So um, it will be interesting to follow if this Ryan Kessler signing, what impact it will have on some of these other pending UF, one-year away UFAs, if you will. Samco's being one, you know, for sure. You know, he's making 7.5 on the last year of his deal in terms of a cap hit. Uh, what is he going to get? You know, I mean... I don't think it's inconceivable, and, you know, being from the Toronto area, uh, and they're going to have a lot of cap space after next year. Don't even go there. (laughs) If he he wants to to shoot to being the highest-paid player in the game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, 
I'm wow. just saying, you know. And they just, it, you know, going, Toronto just brought in a general manager who might be able to finish finish that deal off. Yeah, that was that was something. Uh, real quick before we get to that, and I, and I think we saw with the Kessler deal a little bit, although one to forward, and we saw with the arbitration cases with both Brandon Hope uh, getting a five-year, $30 million deal and Derek Stephon getting a six-year, $39 million deal. So, you know, Hopey making a little bit more than $6 million a year, and um, and wow. uh, Stephon making six and a half for the next six years. And now both teams, you know, the Rangers are literally, uh, I think, around uh, barely under a million dollars in cap space. Uh, the, the Capitals have a little under $4 million, but they still have to sign restricted free agent Marcus Johansson. So... They're really, I mean, it's amazing how many teams are literally going to be so tied up against the cap. And, you know, this is not a problem like, okay, we just made it. This is a continuing problem for these teams because every year, I'll take the Rangers as an example because I know their team will be better from being around here. You know, a year from now, this problem's not going away. A year from now, Chris is a restricted free agent. He's going to give a, get a big raise. Kevin Hayes is a restricted free agent. He's going to get a, a nice raise. So, they might have they'll have a couple players come off the books, but uh, it, it's a continuing problem uh, that all these teams have. It's not like okay, we got another cap. Well, okay, but based on every year, you're going to have new guys who are either unrestricted or restricted free agents, and they're going to get a big bump up, and the cap is you know the cap is crawling. So it will be interesting to see how these things how these things play out. But like we said that. Uh, the, you know, now the the good players used to be making five million a year. Now it's in the six million range. So, um, like I said, it's it's the you know the math is not adding up. No, it's uh, makes me worried about the next the the next labor deal and what they're going to do what they're going to do when the the next uh, labor negotiation opens up because especially. Well, from the team standpoint, I guess they're they're happy from the standpoint of they know what the core certainty is. The cap is based on a, a formula based on the you know the revenues. Um, but what's what's happening is you're seeing there's going to be some bystanders along the way. The veterans that you know, if you're a Martin St. Louis, maybe two three years ago, you would have been able to make three and a half million. And you say, okay, you know, I'll come back for three and a half million and play with the Anaheim Ducks or, you know, who has a secondary role. But now there's so little cap space left for players like that and, you know, maybe Cody Franson, who's still out there, is probably the best UFA left. Or you got Christian Ehrenhoff as well. And there's just no money left for them or very little money. So what do they do? Do they take the best long-term deal that they can get? Uh, or does Cody Franson sign a one-year deal with Pittsburgh, which has been, been bandied about? That's what I was thinking. Uh, and try to... Yeah, the only problem I have with that is Anhoff did that in, in a much weaker draft class, and it didn't work out with him. And the thing I would tell Cody Franson is, uh, I don't know if I can remember all six of them, because I wrote an article about them a month ago. There are six really good defensemen who are going to be unrestricted free agents after next season as of now. Bufflin in Winnipeg, uh, Johnson in Colorado, Yandel with the Rangers, Seabrook with the Blackhawks, uh, I knew my memory was going to give out to me. And there's two more who will come to me probably during the podcast. So uh, it's not like a situation where Franson goes to Pittsburgh, says, uh, signs a one-year deal, let's say, for $4 million, and says, okay, I'll put up a year in Pittsburgh, hit the market next year, and then I'll get my monster contract. There's going to be a lot of competition. Uh, like I said, if you go to Get Real Hockey, because apparently I can't remember anything anymore, but <laughs> if you go to Get Real Hockey, you can see uh, the list of the six the six guys, uh, uh, the kid, uh, the guy on Dallas as well was another player. So they're, they're like I said, there's six guys. So he, you know, and I don't know where I would rank Cody France in that group. I mean, most of them I would rank probably out of them. So um, you know, that's going to be something he's going to have to decide. I know the Bruins have. Sh- it, sound, it sounds like from what you read, the Bruins have shown interest. They have a little some cap space, but you know, we'll we'll have to see. But players like that, it. Get a little bit tighter squeeze, but unless they, uh, you know, players like that are also probably looking to win. If they wanted to go and play, I don't know. Let's use Arizona again as a as a scratching post. 
to a team that would trade for for a contract of a player who's right. already in the Hall of Fame if uh, he's only worried about passing the time for a year or two until another spot opens up, that could be an option for a player like Franson too. Maybe take a two-year deal in a, a Arizona or a Florida or maybe even a Carolina and and slum it for a little bit, for lack of a better term. And I don't mean any disrespect to the fans of those teams, but um, they won't be competing for the playoffs anytime soon. So if if a player like a Franson, and there's a bunch of them that are still out there, wants to just do a one-year, one-year, two-year deal, get locked up, play for play for another year or two until some more, hopefully the salary cap goes up, maybe they come back up to what their market would be, um, that could be an option for them too. Yeah, and, we, and about that, because I've told to a couple of people, the hockey writers, and basically, you know, the exchange rate of the Canadian dollars, so I, mean, I guess it's really that simple, because I was trying to investigate. It's gone down since the uh, original agreement, or the new agreement, I should say, of the CPA. Basically, it's gone down close to 20%, and, yeah, that's, and therefore, that's why, that, that's why you see um, so much of, of the cap numbers that were projected are so much lower, and it doesn't sound like it's going to increase that much any in the near future. No. And it, again, the only reason it increased as much as it did, from what I can gather and read, is not because it computed to this. It actually computed a little bit less, but I guess per the CBA, the players have the right to have it go up at least about a certain percentage each year. That's right. So that's how it went from sixty-nine million to seventy-one-four. So it didn't even get to seventy-one-four on its own calculation, if you will. But real quick, because I don't want to, I, I definitely want to give enough time to getting your opinion on this, as we were, we mentioned Lou Lamarillo to Toronto before, and that was some big NHL surprise. I mean, being from over here, we didn't hear boo. That was and my question. Yeah. Yeah, was- we, yeah, we didn't hear, yeah, there was, we didn't hear boo. I mean, it was, it was on lockdown. I mean, I think basically, you know, Brendan Shanahan, Mike Babcock, and Lou Lamoureux were the only ones probably who knew that of this, and the president of the owner of the Maple Leafs were, you know, but uh, he, I did hear him the other, late last week, give a interview in a, a big local radio station out here. He basically stated that he was uh, quartered by Toronto in early May. Uh, I remember Brendan Shanahan was originally uh, drafted by the Devils and Lou Lamarillo. Uh Although, ironically... He left, I mean, if you remember, he signed as a free agent with uh, rights uh, to St. Louis and uh, went through the arbitration process, and that's how the Devils got Scott Stevens, by the way. Huh. So, I, hockey, don't, I uh, didn't remember that. Yeah, little, was, little trivia question for you there. Yeah, it was actually a very weird process back in the day. What happened was if you signed someone's free agent like the, like they did, like St. Louis did, um then, if, then you try to negotiate basically a trade with Shanahan going to be coming the Blues' property, and um, they couldn't come to a resolution, so they went to arbitration. The way arbitration worked was the Blues submitted a bid and the Devils submitted a bid, and the arbitrator had to choose between one of the two bids. Uh, and the Blues apparently uh, submitted such a terribly low compensation bid and the devil submitted a bit of Scott Stevens, and the arbitrator was like, well, this is a no-brainer. It's got to be Scott Stevens. Huh. That's how the devil's got Scott Stevens. But, um, I forgot about so, that. But, yeah, so, and which, you know, he did very well. He was, a, you know, he's a leader on that team, those cup teams. But, um, so he mentioned that he was been, been quartered since early May. Um, you know, he is 72, but he's in good health, and he's been running the Devils a long time. They'll have people there, although it's going to be his show, I'm sure, uh, his final kind of stays. And I, I think, you know, the fact that it, it is a challenging job, to say the least, and uh, he, he admitted that. He felt the Devils were in good shape going forward in terms of the future. And uh, like I said, I think the people involved he, he had a lot of respect for, so I, I think he wasn't ready to go off in the sunset yet, but it would take a special opportunity at the same time. And this was it, you know, to get Toronto back and working with, you know, uh, Brendan Shanahan, who is an excellent relationship with and such. But, you know, that's going to be, 
that's going to be a bit of a project. Interesting. So we'll see how when you look back at it and uh, Lula Amarillo bringing Ray Shero in, stepping down as the general manager, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty and crystal clear. It was a precursor to, at even at that time, he probably at that point knew if he if he didn't already know he was going to be going, he was, he knew he was leaning that way. I would think. Um, and that was that was going to be my question to you. Was there any rumblings, any rumor mill that maybe back east you had privilege to that I didn't see? But uh, you're saying no there way. There was absolutely nothing. And, I, and, and you know what? That's a, a that's kind of a tribute to Lamarillo's character. He's not the he's not the kind of guy to let something like that get out and and maybe uh, hinder someone else's chances at that job or. You know, damage the team. I think he set the Devils up pretty good by bringing in a Ray Cheryl, um before he left, instead of just resigning and letting the. You know, the, I'm sure he was on board with ownership with New Jersey, say, uh, to step down and bring in bring in Lou or sorry, bring in Ray. Um, so it, it's kind of we were talking. Me and Tom were trying to find. Uh, this is before before the the deal to Toronto. We were trying to figure out. Who was the longest tenured executive with their current team in the National Hockey League was, and I don't. We couldn't find anybody longer than Lamarelli. I, I believe he went to New Jersey in ninety two, ninety three, and uh, he was with the New Jersey Devils. And said, they, I want to say they said he was with them for uh, almost twenty eight years. I think the late eighties. Late eighties, yeah, okay, yeah, and, I, think and so. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody else who had been with it one team that long. Do you was was in? I mean, am I? Are we right with that, or do you know? Do you know of anybody? I mean, there's there's a, there's managers, uh, locker room managers, and such that have been with teams for fifty years. We all we all know that, but uh, just as far as executives like that, I think I think he was the longest tenured executive with one team. I, I think you're right. I, I, the gentleman in Detroit's been there a long time, I believe. Right, right. right. In terms of, yeah, right. Um, but I believe you're right. And, you know, that would make it difficult, too, because, you know, New Jersey's been his home for, you know, a good part of his life. For a long, he had a good position with the Devils. He was still going to be very much involved. Uh, obviously, he wasn't going to do all the day-to-day stuff. And, you know, maybe that was a good thing. But now he is with Toronto. And it's a... Like I said, I'm not saying, you know, he can't, uh, he can't get it done. Uh, although, you know, he, they, they, the, there was actually recently, and ironically, on uh, one of the local, the big local uh, radio station over here, uh, WFAM, you write articles as well on their website, and they were kind of pointing out, and this was about two or three weeks before the Lamorella thing came about, you know, a lot of his recent missteps. Um you know, with, with certain signings, like Ryan Clowney and certain draft picks, certain trade, uh, the, you know, obviously the whole, you know, Kovachuk, Zach Greasy situations. Um, so, um, but, you know, like I said, the, the Maple Leafs will, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, Let's absolutely. put it that way. You bring up, you bring up the Kovachuk deal, man. The Kings were, Kings were right there almost... Almost, uh, wow, a flip of a coin maybe. If his wife, they brought they brought Kovalchuk out and made a firm offer to him, which was like twenty five million less than uh, what New Jersey ended up signing him for. But they brought his wife out, toured the Beverly Hills and the shopping and all this stuff. And the rumor at the time was that if his wife had liked L.A. more, Kovalchuk could have been a king. And I I remember talking with Tom at the time, and I was firmly. And I wish he was here firmly against signing any player. When you're the worst team in the league and the Kings were at that time, you don't need to spend, and, and the rumor was a, a, a 10-year, $90 million deal was what they offered. Uh, you don't need to spend that kind of money on any one player if you're the worst team in the league. The, that was said. So and not, not, uh, not basking in the, the joy of how that contract turned out for the Devils, but I'm just happy that did not happen to the Kings. Things could have went a whole different direction at that point. Man. 
That's a lesson. Well, I think it's a good lesson to learn for fans, too, because I've heard it over here with a number of Islanders fans. Um, they're very excited about the teams uh, for next season. But, you know, so far this offseason, really the only addition the Islanders have made is Thomas Price, their new backup goalie. And they feel like a lot of their young players are going to take a step forward. They they have a, a huge core. They made a lot of moves last year. They, they locked up, you know, Letty and Boychuk and such. And, um, and, but they would like to see an addition, and um, but the team is in, in 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 good shape. I'm sure they're they are ready to pounce if something smart and makes sense comes available. But you know, again, sometimes the best things are when a deal doesn't work out. You mentioned Kovalchuk with the Kings. I think back to last June when uh, the last half of June the Islanders traded for Dan Boyle of the Sharks and. Um, who on paper seems like a real good fit for the Islanders, a veteran defenseman, can bring some offense on the blue line, which they needed. They actually offered Boyle three years, $15 million. He signed for two years and a little under $10 million with the Rangers. And because of that, they needed defense. And then come September, they wound up landing Boychuk and Letty. I mean, they still could have landed one of them, but if they had Dan Boyle, they wouldn't have landed both. And they were a much better uh, footing because they landed both of them, and you know Boyle, uh, nothing against him, but he had kind of a rough year with the Rangers, and he's part of the reason they have salary cap problems this year. So they have almost five million dollars to him, and he's going to be a third pairing defenseman. So sometimes fans have to remember, you know, uh, not that you want things not to work out, but sometimes they could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that was definitely the Kovalchuk deal to the, and then, then again they they. They did a full court press on on Brad Richards, uh, same same kind of way, uh, and he ended up going to the Rangers and was benched in the playoffs that year. For uh, right, oh, I did want to get to Mark one last point if we can. Sure, and it goes back to I mean I think it it was kind of under the radar. It goes to the Devils and get your thoughts on it in terms of Adam Larson getting a six-year, $25 million deal. Now, I get it. He's a really talented kid. Um, he's still very, very young. They I think he took a step back, though, years. last year, right? I mean... Yeah, you know, well... He, he, you know, they say defensemen take a little bit longer, right? Um, right. He's got a lot of potential. But to me, uh, the fact that when you look at Larson, if you just looked at his stats statistically... Nothing is going to really jump off the page. Uh, I get it. He's got a great uh, body type. He's got he's got the youth. He's got a number of experience. Uh, a lot of games under his belt now. Heck of a race. Teams. Yeah, I mean, I was just surprised. And again, it's again goes to you know to show you uh, where these salaries are heading. Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. He's getting this contract based on potential. You get 25 million now based on potential. Wow. Um, yeah, 22, again, 22. And, you know, yeah, I mean, again, it it, it really, uh, I was thrown for a bit of a, uh, I was a bit of a loop on that one. Again, uh, I understand what they're thinking, I understand what they're doing, and you know what? At the end of the day, if he if he blossoms into that, you know, top two, uh, if not a first pairing, but a, you know, the top of a second pairing in defense, then they're going to get a steal. So I, I get I get thinking. But boy, oh boy, if he doesn't, I mean, and again, to me, it goes back to the point of you get $25 million now, a six-year $25 million deal, you know, based on potential. So it just really shows, goes to show you where the salary's going. It's kind of comical to me now, looking back on it, uh, there was some whispers or on the Internet, if you will, or some other, uh, um, you know, some webcast, podcast. I mean, Islanders signed Nick Letty before Boychuk, and he got a seven-year deal at five and a half per year. And it was like, hmm, good move by the Islanders, but they overpaid for him. Like, wait a minute, Nick Letty, I mean, uh, look what everything Nick Letty's accomplished compared to Larson. So, uh, again, it's just more proof positive to me of where these contracts are going. And it's going to be an interesting year coming up uh, with all the, with the cap, so many teams against the cap, and I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more player movement that we have in the past. We've already seen it this summer with with guys where you wouldn't think would get traded, like 
like a Dougie Hamilton, like a Brandon Saad. Yeah. You know, a year from a year from this time next year, you know, Steven Stamkos could be somewhere else, you know. I mean, uh and uh, you know, you know, some will stay, but I think some will go. So, um again, the, the the salaries are just rising and rising and rising. And again, I have nothing against Adam Larson. He's got a bright future ahead of him, uh but he's got work to do. And it just surprises me at this stage of his career, given where he's at, that he could land that contract. Was it was he RFA? Did he, they have to do something with him? Yeah, but they didn't. I mean, they decided to go long term, you know, and which is fine. And uh, you know, from his perspective, I guess him and his agent was saying like, "Wait, well, you know, if we're going to go long term, we could potentially leave a lot of money on the table if he really breaks through." So they said, if we go long term, he's going to have to at least get X. Probably how these conversations went. Right. And um, and he got it. Uh, you know, some. Uh, you know, you look at the Islanders just signing Anders Lee. Granted, he's done a lot more in a lot less time. Granted, different position than Adam Lawson. He's on a four-year deal for fifteen million. So well, I, I pulled up. Um, I yeah. pulled up his stats right now, talking about him. The most games he's ever played in the league were 64, and that was last season. The year before that, he was half in the half in the A, half in the NHL. The year before that, he was half in the A, half in the NHL. Um, and that's that. Other than that, he was uh, plans for Skalefte AIK. And what did he have last year, uh, Mark, in terms of his stats? Uh, three he, goals. He had under 20 points. Three goals, 21 assists, 24 okay, points. 24 points. Uh, 34 it's penalty minutes. A little bit. Yeah, he's taken him a little bit of time. Again, with a defenseman, that's Man. not unusual. Uh, but it's funny, when you look back at his draft, uh, which was, was that 2011, if memory serves correct? Yes. Uh, um, you know, there was talk, he went to the Devils at four, who won the lottery that year. There was talk, if you remember correctly, uh, he, he, could, he, was in, he was a possibility for the number one pick overall. So, considering... Uh, you know, considering that, and considering how high he's been picked, now granted, he went to the NHL right away, and maybe that wasn't the best decision, that he might have been a little bit better off if he started in junior. Probably. I don't know, but it's taking him a little bit of time. But my, my, my whole point of him, and I, again, I hope I don't I don't get eight tweets from Devils fans. I like yeah. Adam Larson, but if he's getting $25 million, I mean, what is that going to say, you know, uh, you know, you again. If you're the New York Islanders, I'm just using them because close to home, and you feel like you've offered a really good contract to Kyle Oposo, and you've uh, offered him six years, six million a year at thirty-six million, Kyle's going to turn around and say, "Wait a minute, look at everything I've accomplished in my career. Granted, I'm a couple years older, but now I'm like, look what Adam Larson just got. I, I mean, I'm only getting Oof. a little bit more than Adam Larson. Man, so this this is how these are how the you know. So I, I think we could start seeing a bit of turnover with teams. Uh, you know, I, I saw, uh, you know, like Winnipeg is another team to keep an eye on. I, I think over the over the next two years, they have somewhere between 15 to 17 either UFAs or RFAs uh, over the next two years. Wow. So they got a lot of t- decisions. Like Andrew Ladd is a free uh, unrestricted free agent after the year. Buffalo's an unrestricted free agent after the year. They have a lot of their young kids who are uh, who are very talented, who are on the you know who are going to now become RFA. So they're going to have a lot of interesting, tough decisions coming up. Uh, Winnipeg. So, uh, uh, like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting to me to follow these things in the league where we're leading. And you know, like you look at the Lightning. The Lightning's another team. If you look at it, they have a lot of players. Either yeah, come they to do. They're right around the corner from unrestricted free agency, or they're going to be restricted free agents, but going to get that big raise like Derek Stepan just got, or Brandon right. Holby just got. Ryan so, and they're they're Hamilton. up against the cap. So, I think we could see quite a bit of player player movement. Um, uh, I still say your boy Kopitar stays with the King. Oh but, yeah. Uh, uh, has there been any talk about contract talk with him yep. this summer? They, uh, the, the they're talking. Uh, Kopitar pretty much told Dean Lombardi, "Do what you need to do to get our roster set. Get back to me later." He's the, he's you know, the, Dean Lombardi has a saying that he likes his players to wear the Kings tattoo on their butt, and uh, 
that's an example of Copestar wearing the king's tattoo is they went to him and he's like um there's time for that you do you know get us a team together for next year do what you got to do i don't want to be a distraction um the the number that seems to be out there is right around nine a bit of a yeah, it's got, I, I, I would say that's the conservative number. You know, a bit of a I mean, hometown discount, this, maybe. Like, right, I think that's the hometown discount number. Is nine million a year on a max deal? Yeah, eight uh, years, nine that, million. That's think, what's that's what they're saying. Uh, I, I think, uh, like I said, I think he'd make more. Although then he has to look at it. If he goes to another team, he only gets seven year deal. So if he gets if he gets a max deal at nine million. So you know, seventy two million dollars goes to another team gets. Ten million, let's say, uh, but seven-year deal. That's seventy million dollars. That's the advantage the Kings have for the CPA. Right. Uh, so I, I would say max deal. You're looking at nine nine million or so. Yeah, that's I, what and I this, think. This, uh, and that's fair too. Not he's, air. I mean, I mean, he's what is he? Twenty five, going on twenty six right now, and he's yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be a yeah. Selkie no, nominee yeah. for the next ten years. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I think it's going to that. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens before opening night. That would seem to make the uh, make the most make the most sense. But uh, you know, so far, still, you know, we'll see. We'll see by training camp. But I haven't really heard a lot of talk about some of these other contract extensions. Granted, Kessler came out of nowhere, so behind the scenes, we could um, we could still could still uh, have some signings. But you know, I, and I watch out for Stamkos. Not that I've heard or read anything. But I, I, you know, Stevie Eisenman is not afraid to make a big decision, as we saw with Martin St. Louis. Right. And I don't think he's going to wreck his, you know, salary cap and his team. You know, um, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And obviously with the Leafs being in play, uh, and they are very much under the cap. Um, and looking, looking to get more under the cap, too. Huh. If they move yeah, enough well, out, they free up. They're gonna have to watch out because they might actually go before the below the cap floor, you know. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with Finuff. I think he probably starts the year with Toronto and then maybe be trade bait as time goes on. You know, if not during the course of next season, maybe this time next year. I don't know. Like I said, so many teams are literally up against the cap. Uh, it's 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 going to be it's going to be very interesting. I mean. Uh, uh, it, again, I, last time we spoke, I said to you guys, uh, all NHL fans are going to, on top of being following about the talents of the of the team, uh, are going to have to become capologists. I mean, really, really is is, is amazing. Uh, look at the Hawks; they're doing everything they can to keep Brett Seabrook. Um, that's not going to be easy. So, right, um, but all, me, all the salaries that they have committed. Let me get and, one more you know, question. Yeah. Um, just this year, more so than in the past, it seemed like at the end of the year, and the Dougie Hamilton is probably a good example, and there's a couple others that I'm not getting right off the top of my head here, but um, it seemed like teams were doing deals based on a fear of their players being offer sheeted, or at least that's what they said publicly. And, you know, in the past, it's kind of been an unwritten rule that unless you really were trying to stick it to a team, you put that offer sheet in your pocket and try and trade for his rights a little bit more than uh, actually offers. I remember Burke being furious when his players would get offer sheeted years ago. But does that seem like it's going to, to you anyway, come more into play as, as these teams get tighter and tighter against the cap that, Maybe some of the other teams aren't going to respect that unwritten rule as much as they had in the past, because I, the, I three three or four deals this year seem to be like, well, you know, we were afraid of them getting off sheeted, so we had to sign them. Um, did that seem like that was more to you, or is that just something that struck me? Um, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, obviously, that's something that's going to probably be kept under lock and key until it happens with the NHL uh, general managers and they, you know, teams hear whispers. Um, I can tell you from what I've uh, read uh, in terms of, you know, both, I think in the both case of Hamilton and Saad, I think it was in Hamilton's case, 
the Bruins wanted to hear uh, Hamilton say, "I want to be a Bruin for life," and they didn't. They didn't hear that. Um, obviously, he wasn't demanding to go anywhere, uh, but they didn't hear that. But there was and rumors. If, there was rumors after the fact there that Chirelli was going to offer Sheetham in Edmonton, and they 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 would do anything they could do to keep him from from lining back up with Chirelli, even trading him to. Oh, uh, that's you know, a dangerous. That the, would have been a very dangerous game for Edmonton. Keep in mind, you know, when you offer Sheet, uh, I, I don't have the chart in front of me, so. But you offer sheet basically if someone's making more than four or five million dollars. You're talking about a lot of first round picks. Now it's one thing if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, to use an example, and you sign someone like that and say, "Hey, wait a minute, we're going to be a top team the next five years. What do I care if I'm going to get Dougie Hamilton and give up the 28th or the 29th pick in the draft for the next three years? That's a great trade." But if you're Edmonton, who still has a lot of work to do, it's not a given you're going to make the playoffs. You know, your three first-round picks. I mean, you. I mean, odds are Edmonton is in the Western Conference is probably two years away from making the playoffs. At I mean, least you wind up giving up two huge picks. So that's a that's a dangerous. You know, that is. I'm not saying you know there was a lot of whispers, a lot of talk about that. Right. Um, so that's 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 a dangerous game. Um, you better you better you know you better know what you know you know, what's doing there. Um, I think it could be because there's more and more. And, and the sod case, I think, was simply the Hawks have a lot of camp issues. They had a look at this thing uh, in a different way. They talked to him. They wanted to sign him. And then when they got the number, what they got from him, they said, "Let's see if there's a deal out there that makes sense." So I. I don't think it was, a, you know, but as we move along and teams are more, you know, instead of, you know, these three teams, now all of a sudden it's eight or nine teams that are beyond cap stretched. Right. Uh, I think, it, you know, it is a possibility. But those first, as you know, those first round picks are very valuable. Um, so you have to do with the right player. In the case of both Saad and Hamilton, given their age, given what they've already done, you can make the argument for doing it, but uh, you know you saw with the uh, Phil Kessel trade when they gave up the two first round picks, everyone thought it was a steal for uh, Toronto, and then you know how at least in the beginning how that shook out, you know for them and how they wish they didn't do that deal. Right. So I, I think it's something to watch, but it, like you said, it is an unwritten rule because <laughs> you know one day you're you, one day you're doing it someone else and then the next day they're doing it to you right the other team so, i heard that was that was at least publicly was saying they had heard that an offer she might be coming was vladimir tarasenko and the blues and was why now he, i think he had 37 goals last year so it's not like you're signing an unknown commodity to the deal that he got but that was another one yeah where, but he was he was signed if memory serves correct the around between the 15th and 20th of july Someone could have already signed him to an offer sheet before then, right? Come July one. So, um, oh, by the way, it's Marcus Giordano was the one. There you go. <laughs> there you well, go. I, I told you eventually. This is what happens when you get older. Right. So, one hundred percent. So, yeah, I, I think it's. I think that is a story to watch. Um, but because of the rising. That doesn't help anyone, uh, anyone, because uh, that helps uh, increase salaries even more, which we've already talked about. is a, is a issue going on in the NHL. So uh, I'm sure the league too. Keep in mind, Gary Bettman works for the owners. Gary Bettman and the league offices. Uh, you know, the most important thing is to keep the owners' interests. Not saying this in a bad way. So I'm sure there's been meetings and discussions when they have these get-togethers and and GM meetings and such, I wouldn't surprise me saying, hey, guys, you know, let's look at the big picture for all of us. So, um, but, you know, the teams are very competitive. They want to add that talent. Um, so I can see it down the road. And it could have it been in play, but um, I think we're just not there yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if we were. Because, like I said, so many teams are just having are up against the cap. It is... It is quite amazing. Quite, it is just quite amazing. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, uh, 
keep we'll our eye on it. Down and, yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. I think August actually might be a little bit of a quiet month, but having said that, who knows? There'll probably be three major uh, three major trades go down. Yep. There's still and a if, rumor of Rick Nash going out to your, uh, uh, or I've read a rumor, still of it's not dead, of Rick Nash going out to San Jose. I don't know. I don't know how, if you've heard anything on, on the West Coast there about that. I have not. I have if, not. Uh, yeah, yeah, so and now, yeah. That the, now that the Rangers... Now that the Rangers were able to get Stefan done for multi-years and they have a little bit of cap space, I think they have to sign one more player, a uh, depth player. I think they should literally just get it in under their chinny-chin-chin. So I, I would think they would probably, that probably there's probably uh, not a lot of likes to that. Well, I think at one time it might have been a possible deal, but as we've got farther into the summer here, um, I don't think that, Nash to the Sharks is going to happen, but you know, stranger things have happened this off season. I mean, Milan Lucic is a king, and Kessel is a penguin. So, with that, Chris, we're right up against it, and I'm going to have to let you go. But thank you again for coming on with us. And if anybody wants to check out some New York Islanders hockey talk, go to thehockeywriters.com and look up Chris Lietza and follow him on Twitter at the NL King. And with that, we're gone. Thank <laughs> you.